This is 680-CJOB. I'm Brett McGarry. As our American friends enjoy Thanksgiving this weekend, my co-host suffered through a turkey of his own, and it did not satisfy his hunger. I'm Jeff Braun. Yes, a long-running movie series disappointed me this week, but a long-running TV series thrilled me, so I'll explain a little later. We'll also see if we can give you some gift ideas for this week's list of new releases for home video. First, it's the news from the couch. The first trailer for the new Martin Scorsese movie came out this week. Our Lord said to them, go ye into the whole world and preach the gospel to every living creature. The movie is called Silence. IMDb has this for a description. In the 17th century, two Jesuit priests face violence and persecution when they travel to Japan to locate their mentor and propagate Christianity. The two priests in question are played by Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver. Ferreira is lost to us. He denounced God in public and surrendered the faith. That's not possible. Father Ferreira risked his life to spread our faith all over Japan. It seems to me that our mission here is more urgent than ever. We must go find Father Ferreira. This is in your hearts, then, both of you? Yes. Then I must trust God has put it down. The moment you set foot in that country, you step into high danger. Garfield's accent isn't the most convincing, but I'm sure it's fine in the movie. The man that Spider-Man and Kylo Ren are trying to rescue is played by Liam Neeson, a real Jedi. And their dangerous mission sees them in all sorts of trouble, a lot of it pretty violent. Uh, the trailer shows people tied to crosses in the ocean, uh, sort of waterboarding. The price for your glory is their suffering. dangerous. We asked for this mission. It looks very intense to say the least and it's always exciting when a Scorsese movie comes out even if it's not its best it'll almost certainly be one of the better movies of the year. Silence will open in select theaters before New Year's to be eligible for award season and then will open wide in January. I pray but I'm lost. Am I just praying to silence? Exciting news this week for fans of Disney Pixar's Cars movies. The first teaser trailer has arrived for Cars 3. That's right, they're doing a third one. The first one arrived in 2006, set in a world where the cars are the characters. Owen Wilson was the voice of Lightning McQueen, a race car. Larry the Cable Guy was a tow truck named Mater. <laughs> where am I? You're in Radiator Springs, the cutest little town in Carburetor County. How about some organic fuel? Take a car wash, hippie. <laughs> I love that line every time. The first movie is well-loved by many, earning $461 million worldwide, so it triggered a sequel in 2011. These Americans are clearly master spies. Excuse me, ma'am. This cannot be him. Is he American? Look out, ladies. Major's fitting to get funky. Extremely. Done it, him. Mac Missile, British intelligence. Go mighty, average intelligence. The sequel ended up being a big disappointment for a lot of people, but not Disney because it still ended up making $559.8 million worldwide. So now we have the threequel. 
Not much happens in the teaser. We just see some cars racing around a track, and then we see McQueen start to wipe out! And then we see, in slow motion, some debris entering the screen, followed by McQueen soaring over top of the camera in full rollover. Then it cuts to black, followed by some text that reads, From this moment, everything will change. Ominous! The synopsis of Cars 3 is this. Blindsided by a new generation of blazing fast racers, the legendary Lightning McQueen is suddenly pushed out of the sport he loves. To get back in the game, he will need the help of an eager, young race technician named Cruz Ramirez, with her own plan to win, plus inspiration from the late, fabulous Hudson Hornet, and a few unexpected turns. Proving that number 95 is not yet through, will test the heart of a champion on Piston Cup Racing's biggest stage. It opens June 16th, 2017. Hey there, Mater. You know her? She's my fiancée. What? Nah, I'm just kidding. She just likes me for my body. Hello, Mark. So what you been up to for 20 years? The first trailer for Train Spotting 2 came out a couple of weeks ago, and a lot of Gen Xers got very excited, the couch potatoes included. A lot of sequels are very unnecessary, and in theory, Train Spotting 2 should be no exception. But the trailer was killer, and we all sort of realized that we really, really want this sequel. This week, a new trailer came out, sort of. It's an international trailer, which features a lot of the same stuff from the first one, but with a few added lines and scenes. And she's watching history repeat itself. 20 years ago, we did a deal. Me, Begbie, Spud, Mark. Mark stole 16,000 pounds. Trainspotting 2 picks up 20 years after the events of the first movie, which featured five Scottish drug addicts trying to get rich. We laughed, we cried, we learned about life. So, like that feeling you get when you spot an old high school friend on Facebook that you haven't seen in 20 years, it's kind of nice to find out what they're up to now. And apparently, they're still learning about life. Choose your future. Call the police. What shall I say? Just tell them we're dead. Choose reality TV. Standing at the gates of the rich, looking in at the Lamborghinis. Choose a zero-hour contract. A two-hour journey to work. And choose the same for your kids, only worse. Until you can see that there'll be nothing left of you to call alive or dead. And then, take a deep breath. The gang is all back in this one. Ewan McGregor, Johnny Lee Miller, Robert Carlyle, Ewan Bremer, and Kelly McDonald. Director Danny Boyle back as well. They've all gone on to have successful careers in the last 20 years, and they uh, pretty much all owe it to train spotting. The sequel comes out March 10th. You're an addict. So be addicted. Just be addicted to something else. Choose the ones you love. Choose your future. Choose life. More news from the couch up next. You are listening to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Time now for more news from the couch. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog too. We are not in Kansas anymore with this next story because NBC unveiled its first trailer for its upcoming television series based on The Wizard of Oz. The series is darker and sexier than the old Oz, as network television is wont to do. The show is called Emerald City. Do you want to know what I wish? 
I wish those more. Well, you're about to get your wish. Oh my god. It's the same basic story. Dorothy is in Kansas. She gets swept away in a tornado. And now she and Toto land in Oz. Where am I? I? I don't know where I am. You killed the witch of the East. She has sisters in the West and in the North. Follow the brick road to the Emerald City. The wizard is there. Can this wizard take me home? Dorothy is now played by someone named Adria Arjona, while Toto is now a canine police dog. That's kind of cool. And the story begins the same way. Dorothy's arrival kills one of the witches, so she heads off to see the wizard via the yellow brick road. There is talk of rebellion. Of magic? There's no more magic in Oz. Find her. She doesn't come back to Emerald City. By what magic did you kill my sister? Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Eventually she meets a scarecrow, and I guess this is where the sexier part comes in, because the scarecrow turns out to be a shirtless hunk, played by some guy I've never heard of named Oliver Jackson Cohen. What's your name? I don't know. I don't remember. We're looking for a girl and her dog. Nothing good comes from the sky. So when it does, we send it back in pieces. There's only one person I fight for since the moment we met. The Scarecrow fights for you, Dorothy. Eventually she meets the wizard, played by Vincent D'Onofrio, and she learns that she has to save Oz. It looks impressive for a television show from a visual effects standpoint, and it actually looks like an interesting take on an old story. It starts Friday, January 6th at 8 o'clock on NBC. Have you asked yourself why you were brought to Oz? Are you just a girl from Kansas? Or are you more? There's a darkness here. Something wicked. And you can stop it. Yeah, definitely not Kansas. Please, please. Oh, just eat it with the skin. I do not like it with the skin, Dee. I'm not allowed to eat it with the skin. I'm not allowed. Oh, my God. All right. If you just shut up, I will peel the apple for you the way that Mac likes you to eat it. Give it to me. Give it to me. That is some of the lunacy from one of my favorite shows. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's a comedy on FX Canada about a gang of four friends plus Danny DeVito and their miserable lives in Philadelphia. It's often called Seinfeld on crack because all the Seinfeld gang could get pretty greasy. Nothing like this. The Sunny crew literally got addicted to crack in one episode. The Seinfeld comparison is pretty apt. I'd, I'd add that it's like Seinfeld meets the trailer park, boys. The trailer for the upcoming season, The Twelfth, came out this week, and most of it is unairable on radio. We need to get back on TV and control the damn narrative. Use any language you want. Really, any language? Yes. Yeah. Maybe there are a few words that we shouldn't be throwing around. And it doesn't really get better from there. Back in hot water with controversial remarks. What? Who's ready to die? You want to smoke some PCP? Yes! 
If you like some raunchy comedy and you still haven't seen Sunny, I highly recommend it. Season 12 premieres January 4th. I like it. I like it, and it feels like a real show, and I love all the letters flying around on the screen. Oh my god, Peter. Sweetest. I thought you were going to be writing jokes at the library. What are you doing? What? Who is this? Oh, sh**. Welcome. That's comedian Pete Holmes coming home early to find his wife cheating on him in the trailer for the upcoming HBO comedy, Crashing. The Judd Apatow-produced show features Holmes as himself crashing on the couches of his comedian friends in New York after his sudden divorce, which is what happened to him in real life about 10 years ago. Unfortunately, at the saddest time of his life, he still has to be a comedian. My wife slept with somebody else tonight. Oh boy. Yeah, oh boy. Uh, Go write some jokes. It was a terrible Saturday, extraordinarily bad. Top five worst I've ever seen. Holmes is an affable guy and can be very funny, plus you add Apatow's sensibilities to the mix. It could be a really good show. It co-stars Lauren Lapkus, Artie Lang, and TJ Miller. Crashing debuts on HBO February 19th. I can't wait to see you. I love you too. When you had a side chick, giving her that bedroom voice. That was my mom. She's a special lady, and I'm her little gentleman. That is the news from the couch. Up next, we'll tell you what's coming to a home video this week. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Brun, we are The Couch Potatoes. Time to find out what's coming to home video this week. What kind of a monster are you? Bone cruncher. Coiled chewer. Meat dripper. Gizzard gulper. Butcher boy. Please don't eat me. You think because I'm a giant that I'm a man-gobbling cannibal? <laughs> What's that, Jeff? The BFG, which stands for Big Friendly Giant. It was a very popular roll doll book. I enjoyed it immensely as a child. Now it's a Steven Spielberg movie, and it didn't do so hot in the theaters. A budget of 140 worldwide made $177 million. So, I mean, I guess it broke even as it yeah, were, but... didn't lose any money, but probably they were looking for a little bit more, and from Spielberg you sort of expect a little bit more. So looking for Second Life on home video. Okay, and we also have a movie called Don't Breathe. Now this was... Uh, horror movie sort of suspense thriller that came out in late summer and i sort of blew it off i just figured ah yeah they're just sort of unloading their their unwanted films in the doldrums of august and it's got a very generic horror movie t- <clears throat> sounding title yeah you know what i mean but it had excellent reviews 87 yeah. percent on rotten tomatoes which just blew me away and i think it actually did not bad for, yeah, it made $89 million domestically. Don't breathe. So a $9.9 million budget, and so $152 million worldwide. I can all but guarantee a sequel for that. Are you going to watch it? I'll see it eventually. So Let me know if I can see it after you do. Well, is it the I, gore I, you don't like, or is it just scary stuff in general? It's the gore. Oh, so you can Let, theoretically watch a scary movie with as long as it's not gory. Yeah, I don't like to, but I can. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> like, I love the movie Seven, but... Well, that's not a horror movie. It's scary, though. It's creepy. If you think that's scary, then you would not... You would die watching The Conjuring. 
Yeah, I'm not going to watch it. Okay. <laughs> Just got to very quickly tell you as well that Pete's Dragon comes out, the, the Disney live action adaptation. That looked like a lot of fun. The final season of House of Lies and absolutely fabulous, the movie based on the popular television show, the popular British television right. show. And then on digital HD, Ben-Hur, which Ugh. was a colossal flop. Ill-advised remake if ever there was one. And something called Florence Foster Jenkins. That's with... Uh Oh, what's her name? Meryl Streep. She'll probably still get an Oscar nomination for it. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He is Brett. And I had a sick day this week. And to, just to make the most of it while I was laying on the couch in agony, I finally got around to watching the last Hunger Games movie, Mockingjay Part 2. <laughs> Mocky, Mo- John Snow? John Snow? No. Oh. Mr. or President Snow. Yeah. The guy, the keeper's dead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mockingjay Part 2 came out last Christmas. It made $650 million globally. A big hit, but not as big as the other movies in the franchise. It's also the worst of the bunch. Well, I mean, I've all but completely blocked out Mockingjay Part 1, which was boring. But I chalked that up to the fact that it was only meant to be half of a whole. And now I know... The other half sucks. It was <laughs> it was just so boring and ordinary, Brett. Remember the first Hunger Game movies, how fresh, original, and insane that was in a fun way? I mean, kids forced to fight each other to the death. It was nuts. But then the series took this very dull turn into a simple uh, civil war scenario with the poor and oppressed rising up against their overlords, which is a noble story to tell, but it has been done over and over and over and over and over again through the years. So the series really sacrificed the originality it had. Uh, not only was there a drop in the overall story, it was also a very slow movie. There was be a, like a brief action scene, sometimes very brief, like like one explosion, and that was it. And then a long, boring five-minute talk between the characters that didn't mean anything, and that kept happening over and over again. Basically, it was just glaringly obvious that both Mockingjay movies should have been a single movie, and it was just so much filler. And I love the first two Hunger Games movies, so it was even more disappointing because such a promising series just piffled out at the end. And uh, for what it's worth, I'll give uh, Mockingjay Part 2 two couch cushions out of five. <laughs> okay. 11 months after the fact. But uh, it sort of got us thinking, like, franchises, it's hard to sustain a franchise from head to tail. Very few can actually do that. Even Even my beloved Die Hard, and I made... Apologies for at the time, but Die Hard 5 is not that great a movie. I still have not been able to no. compel myself to watch it. The first four, I like all four of them, but the fifth one, there's a problem. I bought I bought the Blu-ray like a year ago, still in the plastic. Really? Yeah. Oh my. So, I mean, the Hunger Games movies, they're done now. That's done like dinner. And then we, I, we were talking about this and I stumbled onto this website about Movie franchises that died in 2016 is put out by filmschoolrejects.com, and there's a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite staggering when you look at the number of sequels that did not do well, nearly as well as expected, or just completely flopped. Yeah. And 2016 in particular was a brutal year for it. 
Starting with Alice in Wonderland. Well, you just want, I'll just, just list these all off. Sure. Alice in Wonderland, the Blair Witch series. Bridget Jones had a third movie. That, Barbershop. Barbershop, sorry. Uh, the Divergent series. We'll get into that in a bit because they got a whole other thing going on. Yep. Problems there. The Ghostbusters movie, Underwhelmed. The Huntsman didn't do as good. Uh, Ice Age, actually, Ice Age did not bad. The fifth one did better than the third one, but not as good as one, two, and four. Independence Day Resurgence, not so much. Jack Reacher, The Mechanic. My Big Fat Greek Wedding, Neighbors, The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Zoolander. <laughs> that, that's, uh, what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Those are like 16 movies. And even Franchises. in Franchises. Yeah, and even in there, they don't uh, mention, I think Kung Fu Panda had a sequel. How did that, that do? I think that one did good. Yeah, Kung Fu. Or well. Yeah, I think it, I don't think it did quite. Let me just double check, right? Kung Fu Panda 3. Okay, yeah, 143 million. So it wasn't as as big as smash hit as the previous two, but it made over 500 million worldwide. So that yep. is not a dead franchise, but good lord, this was just a <laughs> terrible year for sequels and I don't know and what we're trying to figure out here. Also Inferno, that's not on the list. Oh, yeah, the, the Robert Langdon. Oh, the famed cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah. One of the I, we're trying to figure out if this has something to do with people getting tired of sequels or is it just because this was a particularly bad crop of sequels? I know the Alice in Wonderland movie did not have the best reviews. Blair Witch had bad reviews mostly. Bridget Jones had okay reviews. Barbershop had excellent reviews, so I'm a little surprised that that didn't do all that well. I mean, I guess 55 million worldwide is not horrible, but... And with comedy, like movies like Zoolander or Neighbors, they didn't need sequels. No. That's one of the the problems with sequels. With comedy films that do well, they, they try to recreate the magic, and... In the case of Neighbors, I wonder if it came out too quickly, where Zoolander so much time had passed. Yeah. And I think part of the reason why Zoolander worked was because it was so ludicrous. Yeah, it was so silly and same same with, you know, Dumb and Dumber from last year. But that's why they, they ordered the, that's what finally pushed the, the Zoolander, Zoolander produ- uh, sequel into production is because Dumb and Dumber 2, I think, did okay. Did okay. So they thought, well, you know what? Hey, let's let's try this again. But clearly, it did not work. Independence Day resurgence. I was really That's, genuinely excited to see that, and it got such bad reviews. I, and I think that is the biggest disappointment of the bunch because that's because it's it's not a classic movie, but everyone remembers it fondly that saw it, right? And it's just one of those. It's what I call a Saturday afternoon movie. If it's on TV, I leave it on Saturday afternoon while I'm cleaning my house. Yeah, and if, when you, if you go back and watch Independence Day, because when I first saw Independence Day in 1996, I saw it through the eyes of an 18 year old yeah. who liked it, liked everything. Yeah. And when I watch it now, I think this is a bad movie, but I love it. <laughs> I know because it's it's a fun disaster movie and there is a place for those films it doesn't have to be good to enjoy it but so i still enjoy it but i often wonder had i never seen that movie when i was 18 and waited to see it now yeah would i like it and i'm wondering if that's what's happened with independence day resurgence is everybody who liked that first one realized not only did that movie stink (laughs) but this new one apparently is just awful so I hope that this maybe points Hollywood in a new direction to maybe try to find more original stories. I always, every time a sequel bombs, a part of my brain goes, that's good. Because uh, every time a sequel's bad, maybe 
it makes room for something original. But then the problem is you have movies that are original, like Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise movie, yeah. wh- or which is also known as Live, Die, Repeat, right. or uh, All, All You, you Need, need is, is Kill. kill. Oh. <laughs> and uh, that only made $100 million domestically. I think they're still making a sequel for it, which I'm excited about. Although that movie of, doesn't need a sequel sort of, either. It sort of defeats the purpose of what we're talking about here. But you have movies like this that come along that are wildly original, and yeah. then they don't do well. So, of course, it, it that's why we keep getting these sequels, because studios say, well, we, we tried this, and people aren't going to see new movies or original movies, so let's just give them that familiarity, because there's huge money in nostalgia. But if people aren't taking the bait, and again, like I said, it, maybe it's just because... These were this happened to be a bad crop. I mean, Captain America Civil War did exceptionally well. And that was, you know, technically entry number 14 in a fr- 14 13 in a franchise. I think uh, Doctor Strange is 14. Yeah. Yeah. So but, they as long as if the movies are good, people go to true. see them and in um, general. And I mean, like earlier this past hour, I was all Hooray, 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 train spotting two's coming. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So who knows? It's yeah, it's well, that's the fun about the movies. It's always a crapshoot, but Indeed. And but, w- but yeah, I don't uh, uh, this is a, just seems like a staggering list this year for bombs. Up next, we're gonna switch from flops from bombs to something that when you actually think about it, should be really bad by now, but it somehow seems to be at its peak form. We're talking about the latest season of Survivor, which has been outstanding. We're going to get into that in a moment. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We're going to talk about a long-running TV show that we both still love, and we're both sort of surprised that we still love it. And just a heads up, some spoilers ahead for the latest season of Survivor. Anna, who is in trouble, is safe. Zeke, who is in trouble, is safe. Jay has immunity, he's safe. Ken has immunity idol, thanks to David, he's safe. So six people will draw rocks. Will, Brett, Sunday, Adam, David, and Jessica. One of you is about to go home after 30 days in Survivor by making the biggest move you can in this game, going to rocks. They went to rocks. Millennials versus Gen X. It's season 33 of the CBS reality TV sensation, also seen on global TV here in Canada. And it continues to astound. I I think we just finished saying last season. Was was last season the second chance season? Or yeah. was it the season Last that? season was the good one, yeah. Okay, so last season was one of our favorites, if not our favorite, period. And now comes along... <laughs> Another great season. It, yeah. It, that I was very skeptical about at the beginning, just because I didn't care for the twist at all, Gen X versus Millennials. I really didn't care for how probes kept cramming it down our throats, like, oh my God, Johnny stubbed his toe, such a Gen X thing. To do. You know what I mean? Like, he was just <laughs> looking for any... Just grabbing at straws, trying to ha- make that fit somehow. But it's turned out to be a great season. I really enjoy... The cast of characters and the millennials in particular, I think, have been thoroughly entertaining. And despite the fact that I am a Gen Xer, I really don't know who to cheer who to cheer for. No, because and- they, but then that's one of the joys about Survivor is you sort of start with this kind of preconceived notion as to who you're going to root for, and then 
as the season moves along, you realize, I don't care about yeah. the gimmick. I care about these characters. Yeah. Uh, I've also noticed the last couple of seasons, like, you know how back when it started, there would be a handful of players like a Richard Hatch or whatever, who all they cared about was playing the game. They came to play mm -hmm. and to win. And then you'd have, at first, many characters who are contestants who were... You know, very just all only concerned about hurting people's feelings and who double crossed me and you, you, you broke my heart and I can't believe you did that kind of thing. Yep. But that has really shifted to the point now where, like, sure, there's going to be sore feelings, but everybody is there to play and everybody knows they don't take it personally. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're still mad when they get voted out and they'll probably be bitter about it when they're on the jury, but it doesn't crush them like it used to. Yeah. And it makes it it's more fun to watch because just because everybody's playing all the time, so it just. That just adds, makes more interesting. Yeah, because now what you you're getting, especially so in this duds sitting there just not knowing what they're doing. Because, for example, in this show, it's been on 33 seasons. I think the first season was in the year 2000. Yep. One of the contestants is 18 years old, so he's been watching this for his entire <laughs> life, essentially. Yep. The, as long as he can remember, he's been watching Survivor. So you have people who they're not just fans of the show. But they are students of the show, just like anybody who is a lifelong fan of hockey is a student of yeah. the game. These people are students of Survivor. So it's interesting to see them working through the scenarios. It's almost like watching a, a, a game of chess being played. Yep. And I find that I can't even keep up with the strategy on display. That's why this season's been so inter interesting, so entertaining, because every tribal council, you don't really have any clue what to expect. No. Oftentimes we sort of have, a, have an, a good idea as to what's going to happen, but you hope that maybe something else happens. But this time it's been genuinely surprising almost every step of the way. And a lot of big moves, people just going for it. It's like, oh my gosh, like 10 years ago, nobody would have done that. The going for rocks, that was uh, a, an interesting play. It's a dumb play. If you're one of the people pulling the, like, it's, if you, your butt's going to be on the line just vote out whoever it doesn't matter at that point but i read an interesting uh sort of take on that saying well if you flip and and it, rather than go to rocks yeah. then it shows that you can't be trusted if you go to rocks then it says i'm here to play and i'm gonna take i'm gonna i'm all in i still think the gamble's too big and i think you could explain away the flipping by saying well come on i, I didn't want to go home neither did you that's true well, but, that's a, but they're also on the spot, right? That's true. It's and it's a tough game. It's a hard game. And this week we saw just how difficult yeah. an entertaining <laughs> Survivor can be. So if you like Survivor... And I actually felt bad for the person who went home. I didn't. They, I, not my favorite player, but the, they took it hard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Yeah, they took it hard, but <laughs> I, I was, I was kind of happy to see that person go. I just couldn't stand to look at the their doe-eyed face in Tribal Council anymore. They just had the stupidest look on it. Anyway, Survivor has been a lot of fun this season. Millennials versus Gen X. Maybe it's best effort yet. I don't know how they continue to do it. Up next, we're going to just quickly touch on another outstanding television show that is blowing us away. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes.
Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are the Couch Potatoes. We only have a minute left, Jeff, here. Have you watched this week's episode of This Is Us? I have not. I got uh, blindsided by the double episode of Survivor that screwed up my timing, so no, I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Well, it was... I mean, every episode this season, I think, has been fabulous. This is uh, the show that's on NBC on Tuesday nights. It's a family drama, and they have continued their tradition of making wonderful family dramas. This week's episode was one of the most touching devastating really? and perfect episodes of TV I have ever watched. Oh my God. It made me cry multiple times. If you don't watch this show, do yourself a favor and watch it. And it's not just us. You can take it from the critics. The 2016 Critics' Choice Awards nominees were announced a couple of weeks back. This Is Us is amongst them. I'll just, by the way, it's Better Call Saul, Game of Thrones, Mr. Robot, Stranger Things, mm. The Crown, also a Netflix yep. series, Westworld, and This Is Us. It's a good batch. So I, uh, I, uh, I can't say enough good things about This Is Us. So it's probably a good thing we are out of time because I would just be rambling for the next <laughs> 90 minutes or so. I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting above the couch, don't bother. This is 680 CJOB.